When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Brett Kissel, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. The one thing I really want to start off with in a little bit of a humor kind of way. So when you came out with Airwaves, uh, you remember that song. So I think it was around 2015. I was 24 at Algonquin in the radio program, and the teachers there Mm -hmm. were like, you know, because it's Ottawa, it's big on country radio. I I knew what I was signing up for, yeah. but they're like, all right, we're going to work on some demos. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm learning all about production. They're like, all right, so imagine you're at a, a Hot A 9.9 or a country FM station like Kiss, and you got to do these promos. It's like, cool. So they gave us snippets of different songs, and they gave airwaves. And they're like, okay, you got to promote this like you're on a radio station. So we had to pretend to voice over you know, Brett Kissel coming to Ottawa and then put in your music. At the end of it, I was like, yeah, I think I did a solid job. And the teacher's like, all right, here's this piece that you missed here. Why did you cut out Brett's voice here? I'm like, Brett's not even in the room. I'm like, why don't we ask Brett what he thinks of this first and then come back to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool how you got, you got your start in obviously this realm of, of arts and entertainment and radio and everything like that. I think that's really cool. And airwaves was, was a big song. It was obviously that's a moment that stuck with you, but that song stuck with me for forever. Like I'll never forget what that song did for me in my life and my career. Well, that's like, it's funny because you like first time you hear music or a certain song, you think it's going to be like on a radio station or like we had two radio stations, one played pop music and one played like Ottawa local. And like, I don't know, it's just when you're in university or college, like you don't have all the realms or means of like driving in a car and hearing the radio. So it's like almost I'm in a radio program, but I don't listen to a lot of radio outside, which I used to. And then when when he brings in this demo of like, here's the songs we're going to use. I was like, I really like this song. Who's this by? They're like, oh, it's Brett Kistler. So that was the very first time that you ever heard heard of my music. Yeah. yeah, Like, well, like I've I've known like who you were, but at the same time, it's like to hear the song i was like all right like because again you have to think of the mindset of we play pop music and we play ottawa local so i was like who's this ottawa act and it's like it's not ottawa man it's brett kissel i was like oh oh brett did this so i was like okay i'm gonna go home and download that but first let's work on this project and see if i get annoyed at this project first <laughs> now tell me where 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 are you at right now are you back in newfoundland or are you down in ontario what part of the world are you right now i i'm in newfoundland but my background would make you believe i'm in michigan because of all the detroit all <laughs> yeah of the detroit i am memory. looking at all the detroit stuff but yeah. at the same time hey detroit sports well i mean especially the the red wings like i don't know if, it, if there's it's hard to find a better franchise than what the Red Wings have accomplished over, you know, as an original six team. I've yeah. been to the old Joe, but I've now been to Little, Little Caesars a couple times and for concerts and, and Red Wings games. So, yeah, you're, I, I've got no beef with Red Wings fans. I, I it's, don't. Not, it's, not, it's not 2003. It's okay. If this was 2003 
and we had you on, you'd be a little bit different of saying like, how, how do you feel about my Edmonton Oilers moving on? I'd be like, you know what? It's been fun. See ya. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, and I think you're talking about, uh, in Oh three, we, yeah. we, we couldn't beat you guys in the nineties. Yeah. But finally it was in 2006. I was just talking about to my big brother that I didn't, I had forgotten that that was the last year of, uh, Steve Eiserman. And yeah. that was his last last uh, time ever uh, stepping on on the ice as an NHL player was in Edmonton when the Oilers uh, beat beat them in six. I think there's like a framed picture out there on like I'm sure it's like on eBay and whatever. And I'm like that would be a nice picture for me to have. I don't have the room, but then when I look at the price, I'm like, listen, Eisman, I love you, but I also love having money in my bank. So it's kind of crazy how sports memorabilia is is really gotten up there but at the same time i am that guy for music memorabilia like if there was something of johnny cash's or or garth brooks or george Strait, like i especially like auctions for charity and stuff like that i i I get a little itchy you know my my wife looks at me and she's like yeah you gotta take it easy i'm like but it's a george Strait package but what's your biggest like i guess not necessarily your purchase but what's the biggest thing that you have that you're like as soon as you see you're like listen i don't care what anyone else bids on it i gotta have it and tell me the story behind it well, often it's 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 an it's an experience. So yeah, there's a couple of pieces of memorabilia that I know that I've 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 been on that I'm very proud of. But a lot of it has to do with the experiences. I've gotten a few really epic golf packages that you know. Again, you can do that with a couple of friends, and you guys can pull pull some money. I was very close. I was gonna buy a moose hunt up in in the Yukon, and uh, but it just it just got out of my price range. And then when I realized who I was bidding against, even though I, I don't know the guy, but just a w- very well well known biz- businessman in in our area, I'm like, oh yeah. Well, at least I ran up the price because there's no <laughs> way I was gonna win this. This guy's this guy's got billions, and I have tens and tens. Of dollars, yeah. so it's like, yeah, it was. I didn't stand a chance, but one of these days, I, I hope to get to that point where you know what, especially for great charitable causes, I could throw a little bit of money around, you know, for some great experiences. Because I've been able to meet a lot of my heroes and get great autographs or photos with cool people, but it's the experiences that people pay big money for because it's a once in a lifetime. Now, tell me a little bit about where you grew up to, because I know it says growing up on a cattle ranch, and like now you're like I know when it's kind of interesting to see the stories because when you watch an A and E biography on artists, and it's like came from like Chicago, Illinois, and like to me from Newfoundland, I'm like yeah, okay, big whoopee. But then it's like came from a small town in Illinois, and now they're performing with like Katy Perry or like you know Garth Brooks, and you're like, all right, now you got my interest because now I want to hear the whole tale. But tell me, you came on like a cattle ranch. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, the, the tale is definitely very special. And out, out west, we certainly like to tell a lot of tall tales. I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. Um, the cattle ranch that we grew up on was homesteaded and, and settled uh, in the year 1910. Um, although late in 1909, my great-great-grandparents uh, came from Ukraine. So they had heard talks that there was going to be a world war. And so they came with their, you know, Ukrainian passports to Pier 21 in Halifax. And they then took a train to Winnipeg. And this is all in 1909. And then they had to wait for the train to be completed. And then they got on the train, waited several months in Winnipeg, and continued on to a small town called Mundare, Alberta, which is just east of Edmonton by about 45 minutes. From Mundare, they got their plot of land. And you could buy 100 acres for $10 to Course and Buggy, up to Flat Lake, Alberta, which is the region, 
they just started to cut down some logs and some trees, build a house and build fences and, and, and break the land so that, you know, within the next couple of years, they could plant some crops. This is very interesting, though, because I love history and I love the history of our, of our ranch and our farm. The winter came early, like in late September, and they weren't used to that. Where they were from uh, in the eastern, southeastern part of Ukraine is that they, they had a longer growing season up to November before it got cold. So they thought that that would be very similar because when you were pitched on the idea of coming to Canada and they wanted Ukrainians to come to Canada because they were good workers and they could break the land and they were good farmers. So come late September, it starts to snow up in the north and they didn't have a house built yet because it was oh. only August when they had arrived. So my great-great-grandparents, and I thought it was like legend, but this is this is a true story, been verified now. They ended up digging a hole in the side of the hill and living in a cave for the winter. And that's where that's where they lived. So they built a fire in there and they lived their life in a cave. And some of my ancestors didn't survive the winter. Cousins or, you know, okay. some of their cousins or, or, or young children didn't survive. It was such a harsh winter uh, in the winter of 1910. But then they settled the land and you fast forward all these generations and um, we, we built up the property, built the land and my grandparents are still living in the same home that was built in the, in the, in the 1900s. And the f farm is still in our family. And my wife and I, uh, we bought the land uh, from my grandparents uh, a couple of years ago. So it's pretty remarkable that it's, it's staying in the family. And I'm very grateful, very, very grateful for that. So is this like now, again, you, you read stuff on the Internet or you see kind of news clippings and then you kind of go from there. But like, was there at one point that you had to like fight to keep this land in the family? Yeah, there, there was. And it was only in the last couple of years. And it was just because it was a very messy dissolving of the partnership between my parents and my grandparents. As my okay. grandfather, as he as he got sick and he was diagnosed with cancer uh, a few years ago, what he decided to do was reveal the will and his plan for succession instead of having it read upon his passing. He's still alive to this day. And I'm very grateful for that because we're very, very close. But what yeah. my grandpa had done is in revealing his succession plan and his will and, you know, because now we've got thousands of acres of land and, and what he was going to do with it and, you know, who was going to get what. I actually felt that it was e extremely fair to my parents who were the next in line and were essentially running the ranch, working the ranch, working the cattle, working the land, doing every everything. Yeah. And my mom and my dad were offered ninety percent of it, and I thought there was going to be a shitstorm because my mom's got three other sisters, and those three others have to split up the remaining ten percent. Yeah. How is this going to work? But it was my mom who wanted it all. And that greed really tore apart the family because my, my grandfather being very, very hard-nosed and very, very tough and difficult to deal with, then essentially decided, well, then I'm going to take it all back. That created an even bigger problem based on ego, based on frustration. Yeah. So everybody was to blame. But it was very, very interesting how because of that, then neighbors start hearing, okay, there might be some strife in the family. 
then they start making deals with realtors and they decide, okay, well, if this goes up for bid, we'll, we're more than happy to pay 10% above asking to get oh, wow. this land because it's very valuable land. So my auntie um, and I and my grandparents basically then decided that in order to keep the land, some of it needed to be sold to which we bought. And it was a very, very messy dissolving of the partnership. But uh, that dark cloud is gone now. Yeah. And I truly believe that sunny days are ahead. My parents are, are no longer in the picture. But, you know, it's now now kind of up to my aunt, not my uncle, and uh, my wife and I about who's going who's gonna to carry on the family legacy. And so, I'm very grateful that, uh, that it's in our name now. So what's the relationship with you and all the, and all the family? Is it more or less like, well... Brett's the savior, or is it still more or less like? Remember that time you came in and swarmed in and took her property? <laughs> it's it's interesting because half half of the family thinks that, and the other half, I, I know, are very appreciative that um, we were able to put our money where our mouth was. And so I was very grateful to have a great career and to have, you know, m- money to to be able to do that. But also, I wanted to carry on my grandparents' wishes. Whatever they wanted, this is their land. They're the ones who took this farm from 100 acres to thousands of acres. They're the ones who created this into a viable operation that, 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 is, a, that is a very successful business. That's them. So I wanted to fulfill their wishes, and that was my only goal. If they wanted to get rid of the farm and sell it tomorrow, I'd certainly be sad, yeah. but it's their farm. And if that's what they want to do, I, I, I accept that. So be, because of that, I, I kind of let that be the guiding light. And so any of my family members that unfortunately I, I, I had to lose as people picked sides, I'm very, very complete with my choice and my decision. And it's still an open door uh, for many of my family members. But then there are other family members who have been so cold and so so terrible, to be honest, that, you know what, I joy i prioritize joy and happiness and positivity in my life in such a big way that if that's their choice i i I accept it but it doesn't mean i need to accept you in my life so it's a very very interesting interesting new dynamic now but again that that was years ago that was 2014 15 16 and now it's better well, that's good. I, I, let's go from something more or less like I know we're still kind of in a well here in Newfoundland we're still in a cold kind of bitter climate. So we'll move away from that and let's go into sunnier days. But yeah. I want to ask you about like how you got into essentially the music industry now because my my stereotype and I'll say it is you know when people think Newfoundland they think fishermen they think oh you're going out to Fort Mac or you're working on like an oil rig. When I hear people from Alberta that are in music, I'm like, what other, like, what other fucking thing were you going to do? Of course it's music. You're going to put yeah. on your cowboy hat. You're going to go out with a guitar. You're going to be like, you heard of Paul Brandt? I'm Paul Brandt. I'm like, yeah. I wouldn't know the difference. Like, I, I know who Paul Brandt is, but I'm sure like someone else would be like, is that actually Paul Brandt? To be like, he's from Alberta. Sure. Let him just have his wish. But yeah. Like, tell me a little bit about how this career started. Well, you know what? The, the, the stere- there's many, many stereotypes are, are true. And the reason why they're stereotypes is because, they, you know, there's such a large percentage of the population that put on their blue jeans and put on their work boots and put on their cowboy hat. And they, they, they chase cattle or pull, pull oil out of the ground. And I'm very grateful that I had that upbringing on the farm. Now, I feel that it was very authentic because now in this generation, or even the last 10 or 15 years, when so many people are living in cities and they love country music, they love the genre, yeah. but they don't live the life. 
And that's fine. I'm not judging it because they can still write great songs, but they never grew up on a farm. They, they, they don't own a truck. They've never shot a deer. They don't, they talk about the rural way of life yet. It was their distant relative and their cousin on their mom's side who had a hobby farm with, with a pony. So with all that being said, I feel very grateful that I grew up chasing cattle and I grew up in that way of life. And that's, why I think country music was so important to me because it told the stories of hard work. It told the stories of my family and what we did and why we lived for a Friday night and why we would throw down on the weekend so hard, but then work our asses off um, all week long. So I, I, I loved my upbringing, even though as a teenager, I couldn't wait to leave. And it's very interesting that dynamic, how, I was going to move to Nashville and try to make something of myself in country music. And that, that was my goal. And I had no intentions on ever coming back ever, ever, ever. And now I bought the farm and now I can't <laughs> wait to raise my kids there. Like it's, I definitely was very hypocritical as, as a kid, but I, but I, I love this lifestyle now. I want to, I think it's interesting that you made that point because see, for me growing up in like a small little town in uh, Newfoundland here, it's like, I know like what to town. It's what like, is? it's, so it's Ghouls. It's like maybe about 20 minutes outside of St. John's, not even, okay. but like, I remember growing up and watching like CMT countdown and we got a static when we seen like a Newfoundland act on, like say the Ennis sisters or great big C we're like, we're yes. being represented, but yes. I used to be like, man, like I can be as country as them. But then I'll look at my upbringing. I'm like, dude, you're out playing ball hockey. You're out like riding bikes. Like, and then you have, there was a girl in our class named Shira who lived like I think she owned a farm. Her family owned a farm, and it was like a Toronto versus Philadelphia playoff series. I'm here watching it with my brothers in my room, and she was out with her grandpa watching it down in like the farm with like a whole bunch of horses. I'm like, if anyone's going country, it's Shira. It's Shira. I don't have yeah. a place. <laughs> well, that 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 was that was then, you know. And I, I I understand what 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 you're saying, but now I think the great part about country music is that it has changed layers. and shifted and it's got a lot of layers absolutely and i think it's it casts the widest net of any genre because under the umbrella of country music are all these amazing subgenres, which yeah. actually is what my album like the compass project is really all about because we've got true country and western very traditional then we've got acoustic singer songwriter then you've got the rock and live show and then the straight ahead country whereas there are these other subgenres of pop country which is dan and shay and then americana which is you know coulter coulter wall um and and that zach bryan then you've got real heavy rock which is hardy so because of that now country is just this all welcoming all encompassing genre whereas before i think you really needed to live the lifestyle in order to sing about it yeah. whereas now this is everybody's genre and i like it better this way i'm proud of my roots i'm proud of my authentic character traits that i bring to the genre but i love it a lot more today because it is so inclusive and you see it if you want to talk about diversity and inclusion which is such a buzzword right now and yeah. we know what it usually means and what you or your viewers and listeners may be thinking about what diversity and inclusion really is but if you want to talk about country music i think it's extraordinarily diverse and it includes everybody from every walk of life and actually, in a lot of ways, it always has. 
I think it's interesting because like if you go on like Instagram and like you can't avoid the reels now because they're just there. But like I see reels where someone will be like, here's the top 20 or top 10 songs of in country the year you were born. And you go from like 1990 or like to 91. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, I see Garth. I see Tim. I see some Faith, some Reba. And I'm like, okay, this is what I remember growing up on. And it's like, to me, that's like old school country. And then I feel like in 10 years time when someone does it, you'll see maybe some like Taylor Swift. You might see some Florida Georgia line and then you'll be like, okay, where did we kind of sway away from it? Like I like both, but not like if you put on like a Tim McGraw song, I can sing that word for word. Maybe because it's like when I was younger, I was really in tune to it. Yeah. You play a Florida Georgia line song. I can still listen to it and like it and appreciate it, but I guess I'm older now. So it's almost like I remember a distinct memory from listening to Tim McGraw or Garth Brooks, Florida Georgia line. I just remember listening to in like university because someone had it on and I was like, all right, download. But there's like, there's not really any connection. It's like, I just liked the song, but there was no moment in time where I'm like, man, this song hits me. You know, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And I feel that the psychology of, of a listener, you and I have so many similarities, but also some vast differences. Yeah. And because of that, music is so subjective, which is the most beautiful thing of all. So what I, what I want to say to, to all of that is, Everything that you and I are experiencing and how you had determined, you know, hey, uh, Tim and, and Garth and George Strait and Reba, that's some great old school country. Well, you're right. There will come a day where everyone's going to look back and say, man, Luke Bryan and Thomas Rhett, that's some that's, good old oh, school yeah, country. Absolutely, yeah. They might say that about me. Um, but I would say, you know, the old school country is is Dolly and and, and Ronnie Millsap and Johnny Cash and, and, and Ray Price and Merle Haggard and Conway Twitty, George Jones. Randy but Travis. Randy Travis, of course. But I guarantee you, I guarantee you, the same way you and I are having this conversation, yes, yeah. technology like StreamYard, which is what we're on right now. But there was once a conversation between a host and an artist talking about, I just don't know if all this new Alan Jackson, Clay Walker, Travis Tritt, you know, Reba, I just don't know if it really has the same power and meat and weight as Patsy Cline and Dolly Parton once did. And also, I bet you 20 years from now, someone may have a conversation and say, yeah, I just don't know if country music really has that same country element the way that Brett Kissel and Paul Brandt and Dean Brody really had in Canadian country. So what I'm trying to say is it goes through the ebbs and flows. It always changes. And that is what's special about country music is that it has always morphed into something different. And actually every time it's gotten bigger and, and more widely known and widely respected. So I wonder what the future of country music is really going to be. It, yeah, because I, I never thought of it like in terms of that. Because I mean, like you're always going to have a generation that like puts on a certain song, and then it's like, man, that sounds like old music. And you're like, old music. It's like this is what I listen to. And then someone else puts on a song. You're like, now that's old. And they're like, what yeah. do you mean? And then like you keep going back. It's right? all but, subjective. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of subjective, uh, you talked about or you kind of mentioned about your latest album. I, I had I had one issue with this now. Uh, I I want to talk about like the releases of it because like in my mind and like this is me someone else is going to be like now you're being picky but in my mind I go northeast southwest or or west but like when you're doing it it's like oh to me I'm just like what what is the order because it just goes from like south east northwest I'm like what 
They were going south, east. Uh, well, I guess you can go that way too, but I'm just like, it's not, I, I'm well, from the East Coast. It makes more sense for me to go the other way. <laughs> no, I, I understand as far as, you know, the, the, the actual, when you're describing the needles yeah. of the compass, it's always been Northeast, Southwest. Yeah. A lot of people go North, South, East, West, you know, like cross. Those people but- are crazy. Yeah, I, I, yeah, not my, not my people. Yeah, yeah. I've always been northeast, southwest. That's going in in order like that. But I actually wanted to change that a little bit, and I wanted the South album to come up first because that's the record with all of the hits. Now, okay. the word "hit" is also subjective because I could very well have some great hits on the east, on the west. But I knew that this was new country. And the needle of the compass pointed south of the compass project. It pointed towards Nashville, Tennessee, where I've, I've called home for many years. And I love the city, Music City, so much. So the South album was going to be released first. Then it was just my own personal preference to release the East album because I love Eastern Canada, because I love singer-songwriters. I love the acoustic side of things. And I felt that it was very different from the South album in terms of production and songs and lyrics and melody. So it actually, in order of release, it yep. goes South, then East, then West, then <laughs> North. Yeah. So yeah, it, it'll drive you crazy, but it's all by design. When you say with the South, like you talk about more of it, like being kind of like a radio album or for hits, but like we've had this conversation, I think years ago with Dean Brody and Dean had a song and radio wouldn't play it because there were certain words or certain messages. And Dean was kind of like, I don't understand, man. Like sometimes you're making songs for radio because you want the plays. And then there's other times you're making songs for yourself and your fans will find it and they'll like it. And I get both realms of that because I will digress and say that I'm a Backstreet Boys fan. I grew up yes. a Backstreet Boys fan. So like so there, were so- there were songs I heard on the radio. I'm like, absolutely. Then I'd get an album and I'm like, uh, track five, when are we listening to track five on the radio? And there's no way yeah. to contact Nick or any of them to be like, Hey, I'm an eight year old. What's on the yeah. go. But you get it. You're like, okay, someone in the company or in their realm of small, you know, business was kind of like, no, this, this is not going to hit, but I'm like, well, I'm listening to it. So it's a hit for me. But then that makes me more of a devoted fan, I guess, than just a radio listener, but kind of explain what you mean when it's like, radio plays compared to just say something that you'd be interested in doing well i think there's a wonderful magical moment that that an artist can achieve when you have something that's deeply personal or something that you love so so much as a singer and a songwriter that the industry like radio as well as your fans those three key relationships love at the same time so song that's currently out called never have i ever very personal, very catchy. I love it with all my heart. Okay, that box is checked. Yeah. Then it's, it's been streaming like crazy. So the fans love it. And also radio uh, has loved it. It's the number one most added song right now in Canada. So that is a wonderful thing when you can achieve those three things at once. But sometimes there are songs that I just love and I know that they're not going to be commercial because of the times okay. or they're not meant to be. And that's actually okay. I used to really fight that, but it's like swimming upstream. So now with the Compass Project and why I'm so passionate about this project and this package of music is because I have so much material for the dedicated fan, but I also have an opportunity to cast a very wide net and make not just one song, but make an entire album that is very traditional. 
So if you love traditional country music, you are going to love this record. You may not like new country. You may not appreciate new country. And that's okay. You don't have to. But here's an entire record for those who love the traditional stuff. Or someone is like, nah, I just love chill stuff. I love singers, songwriters. I don't need the glitz and glamour. I don't need the big production. I just need a guy and his guitar and a great story. Hello, I'm Wendy Mesley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know, you're thinking, who doesn't? But ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women, though. Just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors. Activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden. Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mockery. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us, Women of Ill Repute. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Hmm. Well, you're you're in luck. I got an entire record (laughs) for you that is exactly that. So... Everyone is going to have their favorite songs. And when I'm releasing 44 songs this year, and because of that, I know there's going to be something for everybody. And that also was by design because people consume music in a different way. They consume music more than they ever have. So let's give my fans as much material as I can possibly give them. So I want to ask you, like, and again, I, I don't want to like dive into it. Like it's almost like it's an interrogation here, but I, I'm just like fascinated by this stuff. So, you know, like when you mentioned about the, uh, I believe the East album and you talk about singer songwriters and creating like, you know, work from that and loving the East coast. Like what essentially would you make the East different than the, the South? Like I know when you say some people don't like the production, some people might not like, like, you know, Oh, we're going to add then these beats or background, but like what essentially makes the East, the East album. And like, who were some of the singer songwriters that you were like, these are the people that I worked with. Or some people that you're like, these are the best singer-songwriters in the world? Well, that's a great question. What makes the East so special and so different really is the production and my approach to how I sang and how I conveyed every message and the intention that I put into that particular project. So not that I'm not intentional with everything (laughs) else that I do, but I really took a creative risk to strip it all back and rely on the power of these two things, lyric and melody, and that's 
it. Now, one would argue, but that's every song, Brett. That's, that is the South record. But not entirely. There's a lot of tricks and production elements that you can throw in to a new age country record. Whereas on the East Coast, I wanted it to have the feeling of if I'm hanging out with you in your backyard in Newfoundland, or we go to a really beautiful spot on the coast, and we're looking out over the ocean, and we see the waves, and we can feel the wind, and we feel the elements that are brought to you that you can really only feel in Eastern Canada. And we set up a campfire, and we sit on lawn chairs, and I start to play you some songs. There's a much different feeling that you get in that moment than you would get if I'm playing in, in an arena show. Okay. And so the South is is hit driven. It's for the radio. It's for arenas. And the East is for someone who wants to pour a drink and put that needle down on the vinyl and truly listen to the spirit and the choices I made to bring these songs to life. So it's 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 all in the approach. And that's what a lot of the great singer-songwriters of the East Coast do because they're such great storytellers. I remember like when I listened to, say, the Arkells, when they have a leather jacket on, or leather jacket or 1111, and then they came out with an album that was almost like campfire songs. Now, it wasn't actual campfire songs, but it was like something that they kind of advertised as like, these are songs if you were sitting around a campfire that yeah. you'd be, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, it's a little bit different than what I'm used to, but sure, like I can turn that on and just be like, this is at ease. Well, you're, you're going to get that. That's yeah. that, that was a great way to describe it, except we really took a deep dive into that mindset. And in doing so, we achieved something really great because it is vastly different from any of the other three albums. And it's vastly different and arguably in many ways, many ways, better than anything I've ever done. If you were to kind of give me some names of some singer songwriters like top in the world or ones that you like. Cause when I think of like, obviously there's music and I know music has changed from like when I grew up listening to it to now, like there's a lot more, I think singer songwriters than there are just people who sing a song and someone else writes it for them. But like, if you were to give me say a top five off the top of your head, that's great. But it's also very difficult. Because, oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, again, it's like, it, it, it is so dependent on, on my mood and, and how I'm feeling. In no particular order, what Jimmy Rankin and the Rankin family did for East Coast music is nothing short of extraordinary. Their storytelling, their approach to production, those songs, that feeling was very, very important. So I channeled a lot of what they had done, I think, in their career and tried to bring some of those exciting elements to the East record. There's a lot of other songwriters that may not be famous, that no one would know about, but you sure as hell would know their songs. Gordy Sampson, another East Coaster. I've heard a lot of Gordy. Unbelievable songwriter. I've only written with him a few times, but every time it's been magic. Kyle Jacobs, he just passed away. I miss him very much. He was a very close friend of mine. And he and I have written together. There are three of his songs on the East album. Someone who can write a song so well, by by himself is Dean Brody. And Dean is a very good friend of mine. I, I really respect and love Dean. And I was inspired by, by him because I wrote a lot of songs by myself too. And I told him how courageous it is to write on your own. And 
not just write on your own, but also release that material because you've got nobody to bounce this off of. You don't have a collaborator. Like if you and I were writing a song together, we would be able to flush out what are good lines and what are lines that don't really work and aren't good. But when you write by yourself, it that's the most vulnerable you could ever be. So I really, really look up to Dean. Then, then there's guys who achieve incredible commercial success, you know, like Thomas Rhett, who's a hell of a songwriter. And he can be vulnerable. He can write a party song. He can write a hurting song, a cheating song, a drinking song. He can write it all. So a guy like TR is is pretty phenomenal. I want to ask you, because I, I, I know like you open for a lot of acts. Like you've opened for Brad Paisley, Barth Brooks, uh, Brooks and Dunn, which I, I was going to go off on a little thing with Brooks and Dunn. Because like, you know, when you were comparing old music and people were like, you yeah. know, that's how I felt about Brooks and Dunn when they first came out. When I was just like, I don't know about this, but still love them. Yeah. Uh, but like now I, I seen on your uh, Instagram that you had some exciting news that you, you were like manifesting it. You kind of said like, you know, you, you kind of dream it. Like I've done it before where I dreamt something and the next minute it kind of happens. And you're like, am I still dreaming? Like, is this, is this real? But like you get to kind of open or be in, I guess, some kind of realm with Tim McGraw. And I think yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, I get to open for him uh, at a giant festival uh, called Country Thunder in Craven, Saskatchewan. And it is very amazing. And I'm still amazed, even though I've been so lucky and fortunate to have had a lot of great opportunities to you know, open for a lot of my heroes. It's amazing how the universe really provided an opportunity to cross this off my bucket list. And for a solid year, all I really thought about was how cool it would be to get a chance to open for Tim McGraw. How much I just love Tim McGraw music. How much yeah. I respect him as an artist and, and, and as a human being. Don't know much about him. Like I've never really had a personal encounter that was uh, at, at, any, at any great length. But I just love the guy. So to me, putting that out in the universe was very, very cool and then have it provided. And the only way that it, that it happened was an artist that was supposed to be opening for him that night ended up pulling out and canceling. Oh, and okay. so I, I, was, I was called out of the blue. Like they had already announced the lineup for the entire festival and this one particular artist just couldn't do it anymore. And so they said, hey, Brett, we only got one slot for you and, 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 and it's opening for Tim McGraw. Well, that's cool because I, 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 of course, I would have accepted an opportunity to play at a different time yeah, yeah. or a different day on that festival lineup. But it happened to be that particular spot. Like, how cool is that? And the night before, my wife and I were watching 1883. And I said, you know what? I just feel it. That something's going to happen with Tim McGraw. Like, I just, I love his music so much that he's the guy. He's, 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 he's the one that I'm going to put as much focus and, and attention and energy into. And just like that, it happens. So and that's when, I, and that's when she gave you the ring back and said, "You love him so much, you want you to marry him." Yeah, <laughs> no, no, she she knows she's my one and only. So it's, but there's something you have to be very careful where you point this thing, you yeah. know, because where your mind goes and attention flows, results will show. So that's a little bit of a rhyme I got from my manager that I've, I've adopted. And I love well, I, I feel like what I'm going to do tonight is I'm just going to keep on wishing. I'm going to be like Conan O'Brien, Conan O'Brien. And then maybe, Absolutely. maybe he'll come on. And then maybe he'll just be like, man, like I was doing other things. How did I end up on this show? I'd be like, man, I wished it. And somehow you're here. Like, I don't know. Made, made a it's, wish. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. If, if Conan O'Brien is one of your very, very important pinnacle guests that you want to have on your show, it will 
happen for you. And just think, manifest, 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 manifest. It's going to happen. I promise you. Yeah. There's also a person out there right now that's like manifesting. Don't ever let Tobin interview Conan. And then, then it's like two of them clash and you're like, no, who because <laughs> see, oh, that's the thing. Cause that's, that's, that's the belief system. If yeah. you believe that there's, that there could be somebody out there yeah. and, and I, and I know you're saying it as a joke, but I had to learn this as, as a guy who could be, you know, self-deprecating from time to time, or whatever. It's like, if I believe that there is a chance that there could be an outside force that is keeping me from achieving that, I've already let that into my yeah. brain and, that could be a possible reality. I don't even think about that at all. I don't even think about a single hurdle that could be in my way. And if something does come up in terms of true manifestation of a hurdle that could come in my way, I say, okay, thank you. I understand that that could be a reality. Now I need to think of a solution to get around that. And I yeah. do. And then it gets me closer to my goal. Well, here, here's, I'm glad you put it that way. Cause here's two situations or two examples for me. Now, one of them ends happily because we have you on this show right now yeah but i remember like years ago um like again it comes back to like seeing promos from like an edmonton oilers game and it's like hey we've got brett kissel here and i'm just like i was like fucking gene principe i always get to talk to brett yeah i was like this is bullshit but i was like and then i would email and be like can we get brett on he he's just wrapping up press i was like dude like three months ago when i asked you were saying that he's not available so i was like okay but like i get it it, it's how it works, but sometimes like trying to get Shania on or other acts and they'll be like not doing anything ever. I'm like, so in the history of time, they're not doing anything. And then they'll just come back. And then this is the world we live in now. It's voted on like likes, shares, comments. And then they'll look and I'm just like, all right, got to find like, it's like a wall. You got to find your way to break the wall. But I was, it, it to me for this special occasion, it was honestly, I was watching the Edmonton game. It wasn't no, no. It wasn't Edmonton. It was the trade deadline, and you had yeah. written the song for trade deadline. Well, I didn't. I didn't write that. Uh, James <laughs> yeah. Duffy oh. wrote that, but I was able to sing it. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, know, this, I know what you're talking about. So, yeah. So that came on. And I was like, okay, so he must be in like rotation, or he's doing some things. And I was like, okay, let's send an email. And then it just happened that your uh, press person came out and said, this day he's going to do a lot of press. Are you available? And then when the time slot first came out, I was like. We're going to miss it again, aren't we? We're going to miss it again. And then when yeah. she was just like, or he's available later at night, I'm like, later at night works because yeah. that's when I'm available. But you're right. Like sometimes you have to just kind of be like, all right, this time, this well, time it's going to work. <laughs> exactly. And you got to roll with the, with, with the punches too. Like in, in, in your, your business and in my business has, has a lot of similarities because of that, of that fact that you got to be fluid and you and I get a lot more no's. Oh, than absolutely. We do yeses. <laughs> So that makes the yeses uh, a lot sweeter. And that's why I am very grateful for, for the conversation. And I didn't exactly know what, what to expect in terms of our, of our particular conversation. But um, I, I'm, I am very, very grateful that we have this time to connect, talk about the music. And I get to share some of those words of, and they're not wisdom, it's not advice, it's just my experience in terms of manifestation and putting it out into the universe and because the universe will provide or if you're religious you'll say the lord will provide yeah, yeah um or if you're you know indigenous and you'll say the creator always has my back well it's all the same thing and i and i agree with it all i want to ask so we we have this at the end of the podcast we like to have a kind of a random game of fun questions 
I kind of lose control of the podcast for this, but if there's one that you don't want to answer, you just toss it on me. I have no problem. Like, again, I like being self-deprecating, but sometimes people are like, really? You would, you would say that on air? I'm like, if I say it to a friend, I'll say it on air because otherwise someone might dig it up and they'll be like, how come you didn't mention this? I'm like, I, I did. Episode 205 or episode yeah. 150. And then that kind of helps promote my, codca- my podcast. So I'm, I'm very worldly. No. no, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a, an open book and I, I don't foreshadow yeah. not, uh, not, not answering a couple questions. But yeah, you, 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 you go ahead. All right. So the first one we have here is what's a red flag for you? Like something that's like, okay, instant, just no, not doing it. Red flag. Uh, well, there, there's, there's many, and I'm really starting to trust my gut and and my my intuition. There's a lot of people that can really overpromise and underdeliver. So, in getting into business, that's that's something that's really tough. But the thing that is the biggest and most important thing is how do you speak about your family and your wife if we're going to do or your or your partner or your girlfriend because. If the first thing out of your mouth in terms of like, oh, yeah, I'm grateful I got a night out with the old ball and chain, it's like, man, that's I, – I get it. That might be your relationship. But you know what? There, you, you can fix that. You know, you can actually have a conversation and this can be better. You know you don't – or you, you know you, it doesn't have to be that way, right? Yeah. Or um, there, there are a couple of, of, of circumstances and people will say, I can't believe, Brett, you have four kids because my kids are little assholes. I'm like – I know kids can be difficult. I know that there can be some struggles and it's not always easy and we definitely lose a lot of sleep, but I, I love my kids, man. I would never call them assholes. So that's a bit of a red flag. All right. Well, that's fair. I feel like a, I feel like my red flag is, I mean, I've got many, but I think the most one that I find sometimes is like when you're on a phone and then someone says, how are you? And then they just go right into their conversation. I'm like, at this point, it's not even like, they they give a damn. It's just more or less like a greeting. It's like, hey, how's it going? And then it's like before you can go like good or like not doing so well, they're like, so anyway, this is what happened. I'm just still like, oh, so it's like a greeting now. It's almost like you take out the hey and you just add in this other piece instead of saying like hey there, that there is now replaced with how you doing. <laughs> it's almost like if you don't ask how you're doing, you're not that nice. But at the same time, you didn't listen to me. So, <laughs> well, it's very important to listen. I, I know exactly what you're saying. I think in this generation, it's very, very important to truly listen. You may hear what somebody has said, or you may be in the room and looking face to face, but are you actually listening? That's been like the, the last 40 minutes of this. I'm just like looking and I'm just like, what is he saying? No, I'm only kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I want to ask, so the next one they have here is, which TV character do you think you relate to most? Chandler from Friends. I love Chandler, yeah. Yeah. Very jokey, has a serious job. That nobody really knows what he does. I have a serious job. Nobody really knows what I do. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's country music, but how do I really spend my time? And yeah, I, I, I think Chandler, like I just his quick wit. If I was ever going to be cast uh, on Friends, I would like to be Chandler. I feel like so to go off of a, kind of a, a conversation we had earlier where uh, Patrick Cordyback from uh, Stereos, when we yeah. had him on, he kind of put you over. Like he was like, yeah, when we used to, he's, I think he mentioned a story about years ago, they did a national anthem and he kind of explained how he was young and like he was going through the process of learning, but he's like, you would never see a Brett Kissel do that. He's like, Brett Kissel is like one of the nicest guys in the industry. And as soon as he started saying- I did saying, just see that. I did yeah. just see that clip. <laughs> yeah. As soon as he started saying that in my mind, I'm just like, man, it, like again, manifesting, I'm like, 
Brett Kissel to me now reminds me of like Ned Flanders. It's like the country Ned Flanders, where it's almost like he's super friendly. Someone could just be like, Brett, get yeah. off the stage. This isn't, I don't like this song. You're like, yeah, I will, I will respectively get off the stage. I'm yeah. sad that you didn't like the song, but okay. And I'm just like, no, any other artist would be like, you paid to see me. That, that, that's really funny. And you know, and I, I, I take that as a compliment because Ned Flanders will, will live and, uh, <laughs> and he will stand the test of time. I don't have quite the mustache that Ned Flanders has. I'm very spiritual, but I'm not very churchy. So yeah. there's a little difference there. That, that's, that's a funny one. I, never yeah. in my life yeah. has anybody said you're like well, Ned Flanders. Well, the, the, so other, the, other, the other side of that would be if you had to shave your head and go bald and people see you out, like especially around the summertime now, because I think he's doing a tour. I'm worried that you might get replaced or seen as Bill Burr. Someone would just be like, hey, Bill Burr, do you want to want a picture? And you're like, I'm Brett Kissel. They'd be like, oh, yeah. man. You know, I had a... I had a um, this is this may be name dropping and it's not intended to be, but it's a yeah. true story. I it's so funny how sometimes people will recognize you, but they don't know what to say and they don't know how to say it. Yeah. So I years ago was on a flight from Vancouver to LA and I sat in first class beside Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. And he was right on the aisle and but people were coming up to him a lot. So I said, Hey dude, do you wanna switch seats and I can I'll act as your manager if you want or whatever. I'll just keep people. He's like, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. So he sat at the window. I, I then sat at the aisle. Someone still went through the curtain and went up to him and were like, are you, are, are you really, um, are, are, are you, are you? And they, they couldn't get it out. And Jake said, yes, yes, I am. I, I, I'm Will Smith. Nice to meet you. And he said that I thought that was a pretty funny line because he looks yeah. nothing like Will Smith. And he still said, yeah, I'm Will Smith. Nice to meet you. There's, there's some funny ones on the internet that you see of that where I think it's like, I'm trying to remember who it is. I think it was, I think he does it in a stand-up routine where it's like, um, what's his last name? Inglacius. Like he's a, a bigger fella. Oh, I, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gabriel, yeah, Ga I think. Gabriel yeah, Iglesias, yeah. yeah. And he mentions about like how, one girl knew who he was and then the other he she goes and tells the other girls they don't know who he is he comes and then they get really impatient with him and then he's like trying to sign something she's like hurry up just sign it and then he's just still like best of luck george lopez and, and i was just like yeah it's pretty funny because that yeah. girl probably thinks it's george lopez so yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh let's see we've got two more here so uh oh this one's not bad because i feel like you're, you're married so you can kind of get away with this one but the the worst thing you ever did or could do on a date well no show yeah. it really really sucks and then just drinking too much that's that's the thing i mean if if you if you got to drink that much to get out of the date like you see this in the rom-coms right yeah. so yeah it would be it would be no show or, or or drinking too much and also i don't want anybody to get mad like i just always feel like on dates it's always happened for me and this is just my perspective but i i think the guy should pay i i really do it's if, if a girl pays, that's fine. If, if, if a girl really wants to pay for dinner, that's fine. But I just feel that it's a very gentlemanly thing to say thank you very much for coming out for dinner and take the check. So yeah. I would find it to be very, very awkward to be in or on a date and me say, oh, it can, let's split it down the middle. Yeah, or yeah. if she's like, I'll get it. And some girls will reach for their wallet and I'd be like, no i it's thank you thank you i feel it's, like i feel no, like for, for you know what it's kind of interesting because there's two different aspects to go with that like i if you initiate it to say like i'll pay and they're okay with it i'm like great that's everything's fine this is cool if they kind of split it 
that's another sign. But like to me, the mental side of that sometimes is like if I'm saying I will pay and the girl goes, no, that's okay. We'll split it. In my mind, I'm like, okay, this did not go well. Like something, something went wrong that that she's like basically saying like, if I, if you pay now, it's like, I owe you one. And yeah, but if it's split, if it's split, it's almost like, I was like, okay, you might've had a good time. I didn't, but at least I covered my own ass. Like, but you know what, dude, I, I don't know the dating game. I, I, I don't know if I've ever been on a, like a, like a date in my life other than like, I started to see my wife, Cecilia. And of course we went on a bunch of dates, but it was never this, like, I need to get to know you. Do you like me? Do you not? It was like, I fell for her hard really quick. So I I love this, this stuff, like this rapid fire. So on our next conversation, we we just got to do more of it. Yeah. What's, what's, what's the last one? The last one we have is what's your best impression? Like doing an impersonation. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one? Oh, probably like old, like old Ukrainians. Like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, like, like a lot of my family members. Like, um, uh, this, uh, this guy, he, he sings these, these country songs like this, and is, is, you know, he's okay. You know, he's not for me, but you know, I drink enough vodka and, and I can tolerate like this. And, I, you know, are, the, you, the, the, are you reading reviews off my podcast? Because I feel like someone left me that review. No, <laughs> no, no, it's like, yeah, this guy, Tobin, tonight is not for me, but. I understand that you know some people may may like like this, but he had this Brett Kissel and this Brett Kissel guy, uh, country and western music, uh, not for me. That that's fair. Yeah. I feel like the the best impression I have, I have I have a few, but the best one that I get, and I don't know how I mastered it, but it's like from Family Guy. It's the the old man where it's like, Krish, are you there, Krish? Yeah. And like I think it's just one year, one day or something. I just noticed that I can have the lisp. The and I was just like, I was like, Man. let's just use it. That character is so bad. It's so good. Like, yeah. uh, you know, reach into my pocket. You'll yeah, find yeah. a roll of quarters. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Brett Kissel for coming on to the show. Remember, you can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying thank you for listening and good night. You looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me host Mike C as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain App, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.